Welcome guys to If the Chair Can Talk, where we're getting deep with real moms and deep conditioner while we talk about life's highlights and lowlights and all the stories in between. A podcast of real mothers speaking their truths and triumphs while getting glammed up. Come sit in my chair. Let's talk. Guys, life is one interesting thing, and I'm in the pursuit to try to figure it out. But over time, I am learning you just can't. You can be a healthy, thriving person, and out of nowhere, your world can be flipped upside down. We get to see that so clearly in my next guest, Amanda. Life threw her something her and her family never saw coming, breast cancer. It was eye-opening to get so deep with Amanda today because during our whole discussion, I never felt like she played the victim. I never felt like she felt like the victim. She explains how her diagnosis gave her inner strength she never even knew she had. After hearing her explain how she had to tell her young children what she was going through, it made me so so excited that one day her kids can listen back to this podcast and hear her strength and her bravery and that they get a hero in their own mother. It gave me chills when Amanda explains that from all of her hardships, she can still find the underlining message of her family finding out that they all carry the same gene and they had no idea. If you really break the big picture down, if she had not found her bump, who knows what would have happened in the future to her other family members. They might not have been as lucky as she was. And to be honest, what would have happened to her children or her future grandchildren in their future? Her strength might have saved their lives. That is mind-blowing and such a powerful gift that she was able to give them. I have to say, getting to know Amanda more, I can truly see how this journey has made her light shine even brighter inside of her. I came across this quote, and I feel it fits perfectly. There are only two days a year that nothing can be done. One is called yesterday, and the other is tomorrow. So today is the right day to love, believe, do, and mostly live. Amanda says, don't sweat the small stuff. And in my eyes, that's actually the big stuff. We can't live in worry because it will only take away our joy and peace of today. If you find you are battling this same battle, please find some inspiration in today's words from Amanda. And if you find you are not going through this, please make sure to keep up on your checkups and listen to your body. And all along the middle, try to enjoy life just like Amanda gets to now. Please send her and her family all your warm thoughts and enjoy this podcast. Welcome, Amanda. I am so excited for you to join me today. Thank you. First, I wanted to say that I understand sharing your story can feel personal at times and overwhelming, but you have really shined in being so vulnerable and open about your battle with breast cancer. I feel that could be so rewarding for everyone. 
Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yay. Okay, so I wanted to jump right into your story, but kind of go back to before your diagnosis. Can you tell us what made you decide to go get checked up in the first place? Sure. So I was on vacation and in the shower, I felt a lump. So being 34, I was still six years away from getting a mammogram. Um, But luckily it was kind of um, on the side of my breast near my armpit. And so when I was taking a shower, I could feel it. And I realized I needed to go and get it checked out. So you could actually feel something over there kind of popping out? Yes, I could feel it as, you know, plain as day as I was in the shower and I knew it wasn't right. So then you made your appointment to go get it checked out. How many times did you have to go in before they actually gave you the diagnosis? My first appointment was going in to get a mammogram and an ultrasound. I did a high contrast mammogram. And that took about five minutes, no big deal. And then they took me in for an ultrasound to get a better image because a lot of times specific solid tumors, they're easier to spot with an ultrasound and get a better idea of what they're looking at, whether it's a cyst or a tumor or something else. So I did that and the radiologist was very transparent that I was probably looking at something scary potentially, but he couldn't give me the full diagnosis. So I had to come back. They uh, referred me to get a biopsy and I had to get a biopsy a few days later. And that's when they put a needle in, uh, they numb you, put a needle in and take pieces of the tissue from where they spotted the tumors on the ultrasound. And then they put markers in to see where they biopsied. So they knew uh, where they took the cells from for the future. I've actually been through that as well. And it's kind of crazy how still you have to be. Like they really tell you like, don't move. And it it's very intense. It is. And they place you in a specific spot with your arm above your head, especially me, because they had to go in through the side and into my armpit as well. Since mm-hmm. There was something there in the lymph node area. So to stay still like that and be numb, but I could see everything on the screen, what they were doing. It was definitely a little, a little crazy going on in there, but um, it didn't hurt because they numbed me for the biopsy, but I don't do well with medical things. So I definitely got lightheaded and they took really good care of me and it was in the end, not too bad at all. I wasn't really that sore. And just had little, they call them shark bites, where they, the little marks where they had to stick the needle in there. So not a big scar at all. That's um, good. So it wasn't Was bad, it kind yeah. of just tender afterwards? Yeah, they gave me some ice packs to put in there. And I did ice packs on and off for a day or two. And then just with some Motrin, I was fine after a couple of days. Okay. And then how long after that did the doctor actually give you the diagnosis and how did that whole process work? So my biopsy was on Monday morning and I got the call Tuesday afternoon. They told me it would be about 24 hours, give or take, just depending on how fast the pathology was. Um, And I got a phone call 
and it was from my uh, OBGYN who called me because uh, he wanted to be the one to give me the news. So he called and he just got right down to it and told me that it was not good, that it was an aggressive form of breast cancer. And they didn't know the type yet. They just knew from the cells that it was a fast growing cancer that we were going to have to basically throw the kitchen sink at is how he put it. Mm. Um, Meaning all the different types of, you know, chemo and all that, all of it, all of it. So um, it was a lot to take in over the phone, but, you know, I knew the phone call was coming and I was prepared to hear something. Did you have a strong feeling that something, that there was actually something wrong? I did. Actually, when I first felt the tumor uh, when I was on vacation, I immediately broke down because I just knew that it wasn't right. And I knew that that was not supposed to be in my body and that something, that it was cancer or something, something bad. I didn't think it was a sin had that, that immediate understanding somehow that I knew it was something bad. So I wasn't surprised when he called, um, but just knowing for sure and having that 100% certainty that it was cancer was definitely devastating. Oh, has to be shocking. Yeah. Yeah. Is this something that runs in your family? We actually don't have breast cancer in the family. We've had a couple other uh, types of cancer. My uncle had pancreatic cancer and some other things, but we had no idea where it came from. But since I was 34, I got flagged for genetic testing to check to see if I do carry any of the breast cancer gene mutations. And it turns out that I do have the BRCA2 gene, um, positive for that. And uh, my dad and my mom both got tested and my dad carries the gene. So everyone on my dad's side got tested. And we found out that my sister, my cousin, my aunt, and my uncle and my dad all carry the BRCA2 mutation, which we wouldn't have known otherwise. That's crazy. So you almost like brought it to forefront to them so that they can watch themselves over the years now. Absolutely. My sister already had a full hysterectomy um, because the BRCA2 uh, gene can affect colon cancer and ovarian cancer. And ovarian cancer is very difficult to detect before it becomes an issue. My sister is older. My cousin, who's a year younger than me, already had a bilateral mastectomy and reconstruction to avoid having issues in the future. That's Mm -hmm. seriously amazing that you were able to kind of gift them with that. You could have really have saved their lives, actually, if you break it down. Yeah. Yeah. We, we talked about that a lot. I mean, when you look back at why things happen and, you know, why me, but I felt like I, that's, this is why to help, other people in the family prepare or be, you know, ready and proactive to help them not get sick in the future. And, you know, I ended up being okay. That's seriously amazing. And then one day, what age do you have to be before you could get tested? Will your kids get tested? 
they will, and they won't test them until they're 18. So I have to wait and I will, you know, we'll have both kids get tested because just like my dad carried the gene, James could carry it and pass it to his kids. So we'll want to know. Yes. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because it does affect them as well. They could have breast cancer. They could get colon cancer and there's other things. The chances are very low in men. It doesn't affect them as much for this gene, but it does raise their chances a little bit. So to keep an eye out for things. Interesting. Still got to, yeah, watch out for it. Oy. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you first heard from your doctor, the diagnosis on the phone, what was kind of going through your head? What was your thoughts? Um, I was kind of numb at first. I just wanted to listen and get all the information. I had paper with me and I took notes about everything he was telling me about who I needed to call or who was going to be calling me to make appointments. And I was just spinning a little bit. But as soon as I got off the phone, I just completely lost it and started crying. I just could not um, wrap my head around the idea that I was going to be going through this. I'd led a very healthy, normal life before this. So I hadn't really had to deal with many things that were like big life things. And, you know, I, I worried about my kids. Um, like, was this going to, was I going to die? Was this going to kill me? Was I going to be able to get through it? You know, when he mentioned all the different things I was going to have to do, I was going to probably lose my hair. You see in the movies all the time, people going through chemo and being sick and just not knowing what exactly I was going to go through was definitely scary. And then, you know, I definitely, I started praying because I just needed something. I needed, you know, some help, you know, um, before I started telling other people, but I wanted to kind of get myself um, under control, wrap my head around everything before I was able to tell everybody else what was going on. Oh, for sure. That is a lot to take in in one phone call, like way too much to take in. Who did you actually call and tell first? Well, my husband was downstairs, so I went and told him because he stayed home that day, knowing that I was going to get the results. And then the first phone call I made was my sister. She's a nurse. Mm. and obviously had been monitoring what was going on, and I was keeping her up to date. So I called her to tell her, and I think, if I remember correctly, she called and talked to my mom before I talked to them because she wanted to give Mm. her a chance to take a breath and grieve the situation a little bit before we talked because she knew I was obviously upset and you know, worried and everything. So she kind of took care of that for me. Yes. And I have a group text with a lot of my friends. So I put it on there and let them know uh, what was going on that way. Instead of calling, I didn't feel like I could actually talk to anyone at that moment with words, but I was able to give them a little bit of information and then fill them in little by little as I got more information. That was smart. Boy, how did you bring it up to your kids? Well, James was little still. Riley was, how old was she? Five, maybe four, almost five. Oh, she was five. And James was two or he must have just turned three. 
So we decided to sit Riley down and tell her. We waited a little bit until I had some more of my um, scans and things and when it got closer to when I was going to start treatment. But we sat her down and told her that mommy was sick and had something inside of her that made her sick and that could hurt her. So I explained that I was going to have to take medicine that was going to make me seem sicker, that was going to make me look sick. Because I told her right now, you know, mommy looks normal and everything looks fine. But I tried to explain that the medicine would make me feel bad, but that's because it was working so hard to get rid of the yucky stuff that was in mommy. And that I might look sick, I might be too tired to play, I might lose my hair and look a little different, but that mommy was just fighting really hard and that I was going to be okay in the end. Which I wasn't sure about saying that because I didn't want to lie, not knowing if I would be okay. But I just put it that, you know, that it would be okay. Mommy was going to, you know, fight really hard and the medicine was going to help help mommy be better in the end. And she seemed okay with that. She handled it pretty well before everything started um, and kind of understood that mommy was sick. And she didn't really get that upset. I think it was harder on me and harder on her dad to be able to, you know, have that conversation totally. that she never wants to have with her kids. Yeah. But she handled it pretty well. Good. It was probably still a little confusing at five, I would imagine. Yeah, she wasn't really sure until I actually started treatment and she saw me being tired. I think that made it a little more real Real. in her mind. That makes sense. How did your friends and family react? They were definitely devastated and blindsided, especially the family we were just so confused where this came from. Obviously, with the genetics, it made more sense. Yes. But being healthy, I had just, you know, lost 10 pounds and was probably the healthiest I had been since I had my kids, and which I actually think helped me find the tumor because I think I lost uh, weight and it made it more prominent. Okay. Um, but I, you know, it was just really hard, and I think there was a lot of crying Whenever people would see me, I think they tried to hold it together and they were amazing. But I immediately kind of put up this little shell around me to be strong because I wanted to be strong for my kids and for everybody else because I know it was hard for them as well. And yeah, but I think they were just worried, not sure of what to do or how to help me, but they were all amazing (laughs) to be there for me. So did you feel supported during that time? I did. My mom flew out immediately, probably within a week, because we knew that I was going to need help taking care of the kids since I was a stay-at-home mom. And I knew I'd be tired. I didn't know how chemo was going to affect me. I didn't know how the treatment was going to affect me. So she came out to be there to be able to you know, watch the kids for my appointments and to help me whenever I needed. And my friends were there. They jumped right in. They were planning meals. They were planning outings. We planned a big party before I started treatment. And it was just really, you know, they were all there. My church was there. People were praying for me. And I was, 
constantly getting messages, making sure I didn't eat anything, or if I did, what could they do to help me? And it was, it was pretty incredible. Yeah, I imagine that's kind of one of the biggest things is having that support unit around you because that's a lot to go through on your own and with kids. You need kind of a a rally team. Absolutely. They were a huge part of it. My friends, my family, um, and the church, just kind of those pieces kind of all came together. And friends from back home that I haven't talked to very much or just because I live further away. and. Yeah. Um, it was just incredible to have that. I think that helped me a lot mentally, oh, mostly. For sure. For sure. Okay. So after all of that, what was the plan moving forward? What did that look like? With the type of tumor I had, and we found out that it was triple negative breast cancer, which is more likely to come back later and is more aggressive, but it responds really well to chemo. So we decided to do chemo first and see if we could get that, you know, shrunk down and then do surgery after that, which with the genetics, I decided to do the double mastectomy because I just didn't want to have any breast tissue left to potentially have an issue down the road. I didn't want to do a lumpectomy and then say, what if? What if we missed a cell? What if we missed this? Because of the type of cancer it was. Yes. So basically you got everything taken out. Yes. Yep. After the chemo, they had everything taken out and they put expanders in so I could do reconstruction. Good. So it's basically like these little balloon things that stretch your skin back out. Then we decided, we were going to decide on radiation later to see how the pathology came back and what they decided to do, which I ended up doing radiation as well as an extra precaution. So anything that they kind of suggested, you just went full force in? Absolutely. I said, I'm going to do it all. I knew I was going to do a full hysterectomy because I was done having kids. I had my two babies and I was happy with that. And I just wanted to focus on my health and be around forever for them. And that was the most important thing. So I had that care of too. Were you fearful of your treatments that were to come? I was mostly um, for the chemo. I don't like needles. I don't do well with medical things in general. So I had to get a port put in, which was the first thing I did. So it's right under my, it was right under my collarbone, just under the skin. And it is a little device that the tube goes into a big uh, vein or artery that's where they put the chemo and the medicine in. So it was easier than trying to hit a vein every time I went in in my arm and get an IV. Yes, because the one chemo I had was really thick and they had to push it manually and it could really hurt your veins and just be more difficult. So with a port, it makes it a lot easier for them to access. They just puncture it each time and push everything through the tubes that way. And that's something that stays on you? It was, yes. It was inside, it was just like right under my skin. I could feel it. It's probably okay. the size of my, the top of my thumb, maybe. Okay. Little, little button, little thing. And so I kept that all through treatment until I was done with the surgery and everything. Just to make sure I was okay. I made it, waited for the pathology to come back and 
um, knowing that I didn't need more chemo at that time and got it taken out. Some people keep theirs for years just in case, but I just wanted it out when I was done. Oh, for sure. So yeah, I was definitely nervous about that, nervous about them putting medicine in me. How was it going to feel? Um, would I be able to do anything? Was I going to be too tired? You know, would I get sick, not be able to eat? I had no idea because everyone reacts so differently, but I was hoping that since I was young, that would help. And it ended up helping. I'm sure that I was 34, not 64, you know? So yeah, I was definitely nervous going into it. Oh, I couldn't imagine. What were some of the side effects that came from the chemo? Uh, The first one I did adromycin cytoxin, which is, um, they consider AC or they call it, a lot of people call it the red devil because it is actually red, this thick red stuff that they have to push through um, a syringe. And then the second part of it is just a little IV fluid. But that one is what's known to make you lose your hair, fatigue, complete exhaustion. So the day of chemo, they pump you with steroids. So you feel good and awake, but then on day three is usually when you drop. And I was just on the couch. I got up to eat and would go right back to bed. I would lay around, could barely lift my head. And it was just probably two or three days of sleeping probably 20 hours a day or resting at least if I wasn't sleeping and not being able to do much. So it was an absolute blessing that my mom came out to be there with the kids because I don't know how I would have done it on those days otherwise. And at the second week is when I lost my hair. It was probably day 16 of treatment. I was in the shower and the hair was just coming out in clumps. So I knew I wanted to shave my head when that happened because one, it hurts when you start losing your hair because your scalp hurts. Yeah. Your scalp hurts. Yeah. It gets really sensitive and the hair pulling down on it, you know, just because I had long, you know, longer hair and having it weighted down as it was starting to fall out just hurt really bad. Interesting. I've never thought about that. Yeah. And it was also kind of my decision of I'm going to shave my head instead of having it all fall out in clumps. It was a little easier to take. I was bawling in the shower. I knew it was coming, but still having those clumps of hair pull out was just really hard. So shaved my head. Um, But then with my second chemo, because I did two different types of chemo, four rounds each. And the second one was Taxol. And that one is known for neuropathy, which is the numbness in your fingers and toes and your extremities and things. But I had really bad nerve pain with it. So very similar to fibromyalgia, uh, just shooting nerve pain down my legs, down my arms and my elbows and my stomach all over the place, just shooting, shooting nerve pain. And nothing worked. I tried different opioids. I tried regular medicine, Advil, Tylenol, rotated that. I tried um, all sorts of things and it was just so painful. It's like restless leg syndrome times a million and it's painful. And um, my friend who had been through chemo before gave me a really amazing gift of copaiba oil and she made me a roller with the oil and I would roll that on wherever it hurt and it took it away completely. And it's really? a sister, you know, yeah, it's a sister oil to 
CBD oil, very similar. Um, and it worked wonders. It was the only thing that touched it. So no other drugs or anything else pain meds helped at all, but rolling that oil on my legs, my arms and everything helped calm it immediately. So I did that two or three times a day and that helped calm it down. Um, you know, but walking more the days I was on my feet more, my feet would just shoot in pain. And I think that was almost worse than the fatigue just because I never knew when it was going to hit. And it was just constant and so frustrating to have that pain all over the place. So I think that was the, that was the worst part. (laughs) That was kind of your biggest struggle. Absolutely. Because I just, I just never knew when it was going to be. I'd be holding my kids and then my arm would get the shooting pain and I would almost drop them. And it was just really, really hard to do the normal life activities when that happened. And it was not like the fatigue where it would only be two or three days out of the two week period, but it was all the time. Um, I mean, once I got the oil, it definitely helped calm things down. But I think that was the biggest struggle was to get through that pain. Oh, that sounds terrible, especially to someone that is so used to being so healthy. And then all of a sudden your body is kind of feeling that pain. Gosh, that has to be so hard. How did you find inner strength during all that? Um, My friends were very, very good about building me up and making sure that I was feeling just a normal person when I was around them letting me do those fun things. Like if they met for coffee or if they were going out someplace, you know, they kind of kept me going with that. My kids, I wanted to stay strong for them. So I definitely had moments where I would feel grumpy and snappy and, you know, having my mom and their dad there helped a lot to give me a break if I needed it. If I was feeling really sad or upset or angry, I could go upstairs and take a minute feel it, you know, and let myself feel it and get past it so I could go back to life. But the biggest thing was, you know, going to church. God was biggest strength for me, I think, because he kind of gave me that positivity piece um, through it all of that I'm going to be okay. I'm just doing what I'm being told to do and it will make me better. And I knew in the end it wasn't going to last forever, you know, that I was going to get past this part and it was just temporary. And um, that helped a ton. That's good. Kind of looking at the big picture of it all. Exactly. Well, how did your kids handle it during all of this? Overall, they did pretty well. Um, It was definitely a struggle because my mom was there. So it was a different dynamic. They wanted me to take them to school or me to play with them. And I couldn't always do that. And having three adults in the house, you know, different personalities and different ideas of um, how the day should look, which is normal in any house, you know, having different parents there, but it was just different. Um, But they, they did really well. They knew when mommy was sick to just be nice and be gentle, but they, you know, James had his meltdowns where he wanted me to tuck him in and I would just have to get off the couch and go lay with him because it was easier than trying to tell him no and have him cry and have someone else tuck him in that night. Especially at two years old, not knowing. Absolutely. He didn't really understand. He knew mom was sick, but it was not like I had a cold. So it was different. And uh, Riley struggled seeing me without hair 
she wanted me to wear my hats or my caps and scarves a lot at first because it was really hard for her to see that. Um, and especially when I started losing my eyebrows and everything else, I just looked, I looked way sicker than I felt, I think. Um, so that was hard for them. But at the same time, since my mom was there and I had help with the day-to-day things in the, in the house, I was able to go do other things like volunteer at school and do mops and things like that, which helped me feel normal and Riley could see me up and about and being okay. So that helped a lot too. That's so good. I don't know how you found that strength during that time to still go do so much. I mean, I feel like I saw you out and about a ton being active in the community where you didn't even really show that you were struggling, to be honest with you, from an outer point of view. Yeah. I mean, I had really good days in the middle, like, because I basically did chemo every other week. So it was every 14 days. So it was really, especially during the first half, only a few days where I was kind of down and out. And then I got my energy back and I felt somewhat normal other than not having hair. Um, And I was able to do normal things, which was amazing. Seriously, that's so amazing. You have to be proud of yourself. (laughs) What is something that brought you some joy during that time? So being able to do MOPS, I had already signed up to be the co-coordinator for MOPS that year, which is Mothers of Preschoolers, and we meet twice a month. And being able to do that, being able to go and enjoy those two hours every two weeks with the moms that came to help um, run the meetings and provide them with a fun outlet and to give them two hours of kid-free mom bonding time was wonderful to, you know, to help facilitate that really helped me. Um, so just helping other people doing the normal things like going grocery shopping or like I said before, meeting friends for coffee or going to a concert, any of those things just helped me feel normal and you know, like my friends were still, you know, inviting me to things, treating me like I was absolutely normal, which I was other than being sick. Um, so that, that kind of, those kinds of things really helped a lot. And then I was able to volunteer at Riley's school and go to all of her parties, um, and be there to help with that and volunteer at the book fairs and go take her to the park and things like that. Um, because I had help at home to do the cleaning and cooking and things like that. I didn't lose my energy doing that. I was able to save it up to do things with the kids or with oh, that's good. You know, the people around me. Yeah. So that's good advice because you were able to kind of notice what was important was being there for yourself and being there for your kids. And you kind of let those other things be taken care of by others. That was really smart. Yeah, absolutely. My mom um, right away because it was obviously hard to have two young kids at home too. So we decided to get someone to come in and clean every two weeks to help with the cleaning of the house so that she could also focus on playing with the kids and letting them have a normal childhood during that time. So that took a lot off the plate. So we just had to kind of do the spot cleaning and, and then cooking and things like that. So it really does put things in perspective of what's important and what you focus on day to day. Oh, totally. Totally. Today, how is your health? How did you work through all that? 
I am perfectly healthy now. I have gotten through all of my treatment. I did the eight rounds of chemo, did my surgery, had my radiation, which I did 28 rounds of radiation, which is every single day um, other than the weekend. And then I did my hysterectomy and reconstruction. And I had a, the pathology from surgery came back. There was no cancer left in the cells, but we did the radiation just to make sure. And yeah, so I am perfectly healthy. I go every three months to get blood work and get checked out. And I'll do that for a little while. And then it'll move to six months. And then every year as the years progress and I stay healthy, I feel good. And my hair is growing back and (laughs) I'm feeling like me again, which is great. Good. Do you have any type of fear of it coming back? I really do. Um, I don't think about it every day or anything, but I definitely worry about that. I worry about not being there for my kids. I worry about having to go through chemo again or more surgeries. Um, I worry about not catching it in time like I did this time, but I don't really focus on it day to day because I, I mean, what's the point of worrying about something that I can't control? So. Totally. If you were to have to say something that you've learned about yourself, what would it be? I learned that I am way stronger than I thought I was before. I had no idea that I would be able to handle all of this and to be able to get through all of the treatment and, you know, just the day-to-day things. It was definitely eye-opening for that, that we are all probably a lot, lot stronger than we give ourselves credit for until we're tested and given that, you know, opportunity to show how strong we really are. Yeah. Oh, 100%. With you being so open and the world being so open now, how do you feel people kind of responded to you? Mostly, I think people responded really well. I think Many people appreciated me being honest and really transparent. I put a lot of things on Facebook. I would do live videos of what I was going through that day or how I was feeling, good or bad, mostly the bad. I wanted people to see what it was like, but to see that I was getting through it because I knew if I was going through something, someone else might be going through something and need to hear it, whether they were asking for that help or not. Yeah. I wanted to just put it out there. It helped me be open and let everyone know so that every single time I saw someone, it wasn't a constant pity party of yeah. how are you, how are you feeling, and have that look. They knew that I was okay and that I was getting through it. So we could just, you know, talk and have regular have conversations. Normal converse. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that actually is really smart because it kind of cuts back that wonder. Yeah. That was so smart. Technology can be amazing. Okay, do you feel this experience has changed you as a person, as a woman, as a mother? Definitely, all of those. Um, I think as a person, it's maybe more positive. I felt like with all of this, life is short. Not just saying that life is short, that I could something could happen to me tomorrow, or the span of you know a hundred years and the larger scheme of things is not a very long time. So I'm not going to waste 
waste my time being negative or worrying about things that I can't control. I just want to be positive and try to do what makes me happy and what makes my kids happy. Just live life every day. The life that was given to me, the life that I was blessed with and that I'm still here, that I'm living. So I think that changed that perspective a little bit. I didn't worry about the little things. You know, you hear the phrase, don't sweat the small stuff. And it's so true. Um, And then as a mom, I just want to be there with my kids. I just want to experience all of these different things. I don't want to miss any little piece of their life. I don't want to say, oh, we'll get to that tomorrow. Or, oh, I'll read with them tomorrow. Or, you know, any of that. I want to try to do as much as I can with them and to give them the best childhood because I do still have that what if piece way back in the back of my mind. So I think just trying to be more present with them and with my friends. But as a woman, I thought I would feel different considering now I have implants and I do not have any of my reproductive organs. So basically have been gutted as a woman, but I feel more beautiful today than I've ever felt in my life. So that was never, yeah, that was not taken away from me one bit. I think now that I've gotten healthier and I feel more like myself now that I'm this far removed from it, I never, I was never worried that I was going to lose my breath. That didn't bother me one bit. I was more concerned about my health. So that wasn't difficult for me. I think the hair was the hardest piece, but again, it's growing back. So I think all of it has made me a better person and helped me to appreciate the things that maybe I was taking for granted before. So surprisingly, it was actually a blessing to go through all of this. I don't, not everyone can say that, but for me, it definitely was. Oh, totally. That gives me chills. Oh, (laughs) that's really good. Okay. Advice. If one of your friends were to be going through breast cancer, what advice would you give her? At first, I would say take it one day at a time because I know the first couple weeks were, it was a lot of scans, MRIs, CTs, checking this, you know, getting the port put in. It was just a lot in a very short period of time. I started my chemo within two weeks of finding out that I had cancer. So it's a very quick process. I wrote everything down. I liked to write down notes so I would remember down the road what happened when and so that I wouldn't forget because people do ask you a lot of questions. Um, The other thing would be to ask for help. And if people offer help to take it, Mm. I was the biggest no-sayer on the planet before this. Do you need help? Nope, I'm good. Do you need this? Nope, I'm good. But with all of this, I accepted meals. I accepted my mom coming to live with us. I accepted someone coming in to clean my house. I accepted free tickets to this event or that event, um, people doing things for me. It was um, much needed because I needed to feel that normal life, you know, and I needed to let people help me because it helps them because other people grieve when you're sick too. Mm. And um, it helps them feel like they're doing something to help you. So those people that are closest to you, it just helps them, you know, go through the process with you and feel like they're helping you. And um, the other thing is just to be vulnerable. You know, like I put it all out there and that might not work for everybody, but it just helped me being open and honest because then 
I didn't have that extra struggle of trying to hide my feelings or, you know, being strong. Like I was definitely trying to be strong, but at the same time, just open and honest about having a crappy day or, you know, not feeling good with this, you know, things like that. It just helped so much to be vulnerable and open. It could help someone else. There was probably three other people that I knew going through cancer soon after I went through it. And we were able to help each other and talk through it and really lift each other up. But if I wasn't as open or didn't tell anybody, they wouldn't have, we wouldn't have had that opportunity to come together and help each other. Really, really, really good advice. If you had a friend that was going through this, how would you show up for her? What would you suggest people do to show up for their friends? The things that really stood out to me was a bunch of my friends got together and made little cards. So like uplifting little notes or some of them had a $5 Starbucks gift card and they made a bunch of them and all, gave them all to one friend. And once or twice a week, I would get a card in the mail. Even though I see these friends all the time, I would get cards in the mail with little sayings or that. little uplifting notes. And it was just so nice to get mail and to get these, um, you know, just little notes of joy throughout the day. And I never knew what I was going to get. They were all anonymous. They didn't sign their name. I knew who it was from deep down, but it was just such a sweet thing to do that. So just little things like that. It could be a text message, an email, a phone call. It was really nice to have people come and make food for my family um, to provide that. But also, you know, hey, can I come bring you coffee and we can chat for an hour and talk about something other than cancer? Can we get together and do something that does not revolve around you and cancer? You know, because that was a big part of my life yes. and they allowed me to talk about it when I needed to. But I, I loved having those moments where I could just be normal and have my friends not look at me like a cancer patient. So, you know, they brought me nice blankets, fuzzy socks, and fun treats, and all of that was good. Every little bit I loved because I felt loved and supported. Just knowing the person, you know, do they like to read? Bring them a book. Do they like to, you know, watch this or that? Or, you know, just any little thing um, that you can do just to keep in touch and let them know that they're not alone was the biggest help for me. From an outer point of view, I noticed you had a huge community around you that was supporting you. And I could only imagine that that can be so uplifting during that hard time. Absolutely. It was pretty amazing. That's so amazing. And even more, you're amazing. I seriously am so proud of you. I'm so proud of what you shared with us today. And I just feel like you telling your story today could help somebody that has a bump on them and is overlooking it or not getting it checked or somebody that is due for a checkup and hasn't gone. And maybe just hearing this will make them go do that. And I think that's so amazing that you are able to give this gift not only to your family and your children one day, but to other people that are coming across your story. Absolutely. I think it was more scary not knowing what it was. Mm. Um, the time waiting between when I found the lump and when I could get in for my appointment was scarier than when I knew what it was and going forward because just letting it linger, like, what is it? What's going on? Like, it's better to know what it is and face it head on. Absolutely. Totally, totally, totally. 
your quote for today. Can you please give us something that kind of spoke to your heart during that time? Absolutely. So mine, it was a Bible verse, but I kind of rephrased it a little bit. So it's Romans 8.18. So it's the pain and suffering now that you're going through now and the things that you're dealing with now are nothing compared to the joy that's coming on the other side of it. Basically, all of the struggles and everything you might be going through and dealing with on the other side of it, there's so much joy and positivity and good things that can come from it. So just focus on that. And that's what helped me get through. That's so awesome. I love that so, so much. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you, Amanda. And now we get to do our fun little hair tip of the day. Okay, so I know that you are growing back your beautiful hair, and it is coming in wonderfully, I have to say. Thank you. Yay. With that, I want to give a tip to go get your trims. You have done a good job of coming in and getting it cleaned up during the growing out process, but some people just think that you can just grow it out and you don't have to cut it for years and it will just be beautiful in the end, (laughs) but that's not how it works because... It actually, when you start to get those split ends, they start to move up the hair shaft and it creates damage in the hair, which then once you get it to the length that you actually want it, you're going to have to cut off a lot more so that it is actually healthy. So if you do your little trims in between and tell your hairstylist that you are wanting a light, light trim and you're happy with not noticing a big difference, but it will be a big difference then that will help you grow that long, lovely locks back. Okay, so to sum it up, I want to say, Amanda, you are a rock star. Being so open and willing to talk can truly help so many women that are either struggling with this problem or need to go get checked out. So thank you so much for coming on and kind of being open and vulnerable with us. You're welcome. I'm glad that you were able to find some strength for me. Like that's what it's all about, I think. Exactly. Okay. Well, thank you for coming on. And it is a beautiful day out there today. So go enjoy. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for today. My hope is that in some way, this podcast has brought a little light and hope into a world that can feel full of chaos. Please subscribe to this podcast and follow my page on Instagram at if the chair could talk underscore. Go ahead and send me a message if you are or you know of someone that has a powerful story or inspirational words they would like to put out into the world. And I would love to have them join me. Okay, let's remember these stories are just a part of us. They are not the definition of us. Let's let the cloud over our heads go so our sun can come out and shine on the world. Till next time, let's put a bobby pen in it. See ya.